humanity was the last frontier for these people for genetic modification. Messenger RNA, excuse me, is genetic material. Yep. This is what was injected in to a large percentage of the world's population. Even the flu shot this year, which is coming out, has nothing to do with COVID. It's going to be based on messenger RNA technology. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Conversations That Matter. I'm your host, Alex Newman, for the New American Magazine. Uh, we have an incredibly special returning guest with us today. His name is Patrick Wood. You've seen him before, not just here, but many other places. He uh, worked with one of the greatest of the great historians that our country has produced, Anthony Sutton uh, from Stanford University, in exposing the Trilateral Commission. Uh, he's also got a trio of books on technocracy. This is the latest one, The Evil Twins of Technocracy and Transhumanism. I cannot recommend it more highly. It is a brilliant brilliant book that is going to open your eyes to all kinds of things that you didn't even know were existential threats to humanity, uh, to, to kind of put it mildly and summarize it. Uh, Pat, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Uh, before we dig into this book, there's a lot of people watching who don't know what technocracy is and who don't know what transhumanism is. So what's the 30-second version of this incredibly complex topic? Well, technocracy is an economic system that's designed to restructure the global econo economy right now. We, we can call this the Great Reset probably in modern terms, uh, what the World Economic Forum is talking about, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Transhumanism, on the other hand, is the reformation of humanity itself. Uh, Klaus Schwab at the WF would call it Humanity 2.0. So they have Society 2.0, they have Humanity 2.0. The two will be merged together, if you will, the, the new humans, the new kind of human, will live in the new utopian society. Now, of course, this is crackpot in so many ways, it's not even funny. I say that, though, that's what they think they're going to do. Yes, uh, they they do. And, uh, you know, some of them have been pretty open about it. You've got a lot of them quoted in here. And, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be laughing because this stuff is dangerous and, and insanely scary. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you just have to kind of giggle a little bit at the hubris and the pride that these people have. They think they're going to evolve into gods and stuff. Um, I, I want to, let, let's dig in. Let's start right there because uh, you explore this in great depth. In fact, I don't think I've seen anybody explore this in as great a depth as you deal with it in this book here. And that is the effort to hijack uh, evolution. Now, you know, full disclosure, I do not believe in the Darwinian theory of evolution. I do not believe we evolved from slime that turned into monkeys. But uh, the people pushing this transhumanism stuff, the people who mm -hmm. want to manipulate the DNA of everything in the world, uh, they they think that they're going to seize control of evolution and we're going to just radically redirect that. We're going to make better humans. We're going to make better livestock. We're going to make better crops. Uh, talk a little bit about this. Isn't it ironic that, that these people who absolutely deny intelligent design in, in, the, in the universe altogether, it's not that they don't you know, say that there is a God. They recognize that there is a God, but they absolutely deny intelligent design. But... Now that, uh, now that the CRISPR technology and other gene editing technologies have advanced to the point where they are today, they've glommed onto that and they are saying basically now, very actually not just basically, they're saying it outright, we will be the intelligent designers of the future. Okay, so we are going to reinvent, we're gonna reimagine and reinvent the world uh, according to our science and technology According to our imagination, we're, we're going to imagine it, we're going to create it, and uh, I don't know, I suppose you could quote Klaus Schwab and say, you'll own nothing and be happy, but that would be <laughs> trite. <laughs> but this is, what they, this is really what they're saying openly now, is that they're hijacking evolution 
because they have the tools to do so. And after all, they're so smart and so, uh, you know, all the PhDs and they got laboratories and they got money coming out their ears and so on. This was the same proposition, by the way, the technocrats in the 1930s said the same same mindset. We've got this covered, folks. We we're gonna you'll see. We are going to usher in utopia with our new science-driven. You fill in the blank. Yeah, and and on that issue of science-driven, um, there is a in a, a quasi-religious cultish system of thought that underpins both of these evil twins, the technocracy and the transhumanism. And you you define it in your book as scientism, uh, which, which I think we need to point out is quite apart from actual science. But uh, explain to us what that means, Pat. I've interviewed a lot of scientists over the years who've said this, like, you know, talking about the climate stuff. Like, you know, these people yeah. have this new crazy religion. It, it's scientism. Uh, explain what that means for people and, and how it's different from actual legitimate science. Science, scientism, I, I could just kind of read you the, the, the definition that um, um, that C.S. Lewis put out. The scientism, scientism is the idea that science is the ultimate path to knowledge and wisdom, the only sure path, and that the spiritual realm is a mirage. That's what scientism proposes. It was originally coined as a philosophy by Henri de Saint-Simon in the early 1800s. Um, C.S. Lewis, by the way, never criticized science when he wrote about scientism because they're two totally different topics. Scientism is a religion, no bones about it. It is absolutely a religious proposition from start to finish. And that doesn't mean that all the transhumanists and technocrats in the world understand what scientism is. In fact, there's also competing religions now. Uh, uh, Noah Yuval Harari just came on uh, with a, a video recently that said, Basically, AI is soon is going to be able to write a Bible itself. That the is first accurate. ever holy book. He's, yeah, the first ever holy book based on a super intelligent non-human intelligence. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, and it's going to be correct. He said it's not going to contain errors. It's going to be correct, indicating the Bible contains lots of errors and it should have been thrown out years ago. Um, so there's lots of religiosity surrounding this whole thing. Scientism is one of those foundational cornerstone type of things, though. Created, I mean, it was invented philosophically many, many years ago. But you can see the threads of scientism coming through this altogether, especially when you study some of the writings, for instance, of somebody like C.S. Lewis, who wrote extensively about scientism. In particular, I'll say the, the, the one little short little book everybody should read, The Abolition of Man. Is absolutely worth reading by anybody who wants to understand scientism. Yep, uh, I was going to ask you about that. It's such a good book, and I actually read it right after finishing the Space Trilogy, and I think they fit together uh, perfectly because kind of the Space Trilogy, as you move on, you realize that there's some of this uh, madness in the minds of uh, the evildoers yes. there. It's uh, it's truly incredible, Pat. Now. Uh, this scientism, uh, of course, rejects the the God of the Bible, uh, very much like Yuval Noah Harari, a you know, senior advisor at the World Economic Forum. He's given a lot of keynote speeches there. His books are endorsed by Barack Obama, Angela Merkel, uh, the little fascist that runs Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, and I, I've got a video of him where he says, actually, you know, well, if the God of the Bible actually existed, uh, we're going to be better than him because, you know, that God can only create organic life. We're going to be creating new inorganic beings and things. Uh, so really, truly delusional. Uh, when we get back on the other 
side of this break, Pat, you connected the dots in here uh, in a way that I've not seen anybody do. Uh, and I think this is one of the most important stories potentially of human history. And uh, very few people even know this is happening. So when we get back, we're going to talk about this so-called biodiversity in the context of gathering up all the genetic material in the yeah. world and then using it for nefarious purposes. Stay tuned, folks. We're going to be right back. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. Here's the news, Dad. Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. Ditch the fake news and always get the truth. Go to thenewamerican.com. Welcome back to Conversations That Matter. I am your host, Alex Newman, senior editor at The New American Magazine. Folks, our guest today is Patrick Wood. He is the author of this extraordinary book here, The Evil Twins of Technocracy and Transhumanism. Excellent, excellent book. Uh, chapter 8, Pat, you break down what you call the takeover of all genetic material. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've gathered little pieces of this over the years. You know, you quote uh, Tal Zalks, the, the former chief uh, medical and science officer over at Moderna, <laughs> talking about how humans and, and all living things are basically based on this operating system that can be hacked, uh, you know, by, by manipulating the genetic code. But you, you talk about biodiversity and there's all these U.N. agreements. And I've read some of these agreements and it just I, I guess I, it didn't sink in. But all this talk of biodiversity, <laughs> this isn't like, hey, we just need to save birds for the sake of birds. They're actually wanting to collect all of this genetic material, put it in databases, and then license it to biopharmaceutical companies, to all sorts of companies that are going to be involved in creating, and that already are creating, um, new forms of life based on you know pieces of DNA from here and there. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk about this and, and, and why this is so dangerous, why people need to be paying attention. Well, you and I understand what we well what we thought the term biodiversity meant. I know you've extensively studied the, the Rio de Janeiro Conference Forward and what the United Nations has done over the years with biodiversity. Um, I was surprised to find out that my definition of biodiversity was wrong. They changed the word. They changed the meaning of the word back in 1992, but they didn't tell anybody really. The only reason that we knew that they changed it was a couple of uh, people who were actually participating in 1992 wrote a book a couple of years after uh, dissenting and dissent of the whole thing called The Earth Brokers, the idea that the earth is being brokered by these people. And that's exactly what was happening. But they wrote about the biodiversity convention in particular. And they said, here's what went on. I, I just got to quote exactly what the book said. It said the convention implicitly equates the diversity of life, that is animals and plants, to the diversity of genetic codes. By doing so, diversity becomes something modern science can manipulate. It promotes biotechnology as being essential for the conservation uh, and sustainable use of biodiversity. Then it goes on and says, the main stake raised by the Biodiversity Convention is the issue of ownership and control over biological diversity. The major concern was protecting the pharmaceutical and emerging biotechnology industries, close quote. That just absolutely blew me away when I, I, I missed this the first time I read the book. But after COVID hit, I'm doing some more research. I went back and looked at it. I said, how could I have missed this? This is exactly what they started in earnest. And they codified it. They crystallized it. They weaponized it, whatever you want to call it, in 1992 into the Agenda 21 slash Biodiversity Convention agreements. This is what they've done ever since. 
Everything on Earth has been meddled with, right? Genetically, plants, animals, fish, insects, birds, you name it. Everything has been messed with. COVID offered the opportunity for the last frontier. This is where we would see the Star Trek, uh, you know, Star Trek ship, you know, fly in, you know, great, brave, brave new worlds, you know, whatever, going where no man has gone before, uh, discovering new worlds and new life forms. Humanity was the last frontier for these people for genetic modification. And you say, well, how that happened? Well, messenger RNA, excuse me, is genetic material. Yep. This is what was injected in to a large percentage of the world's population. And it's not stopping. Not only is it not stopping, even the flu shot this year, which is coming out, has nothing to do with COVID. It's going to be based on messenger RNA technology. And this is going to be forever. You know this is not going away. It's going to be a constant injection of genetic material into humanity to change the human condition. This is beyond dangerous. This is beyond, I mean, we can't see, we could say it's existential, but this is really deadly, deadly serious. I can't stress enough, anybody listening to this, you should be very, very concerned about ever taking a shot again that has the word vaccine in it. Yep. I, for one, will never, and I say that unequivocally, I will never submit to one of these mRNA injections, period. And and folks, for those of you out there who aren't aware of this, what Pat is talking about is in the past tense, right? They, they've already released genetically engineered mosquitoes. You're already eating, you know, the vast majority of the corn produced in this country is genetically engineered. In many cases, they're actually taking genetic material from other organisms, completely unrelated to corn, and sticking it into the genetic structure, the DNA of the food that you are eating, and it's getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Uh, Pat, there's so much in this book that I wish we had time to talk about. We we just don't have all that much time today. Uh, I love that you break down some of the people behind this, you know, the Trilateral Commission. Uh, you mentioned Larry Fink in here, who's obviously a huge player in making this all possible, the head of BlackRock. But uh, in the last few minutes that we have left, I don't want to leave people just, uh, you know, despairing about these lunatics who want to mess with our DNA and our children and our food. Uh, what do we do to stop it? You've got a whole chapter in here on making this stop, getting involved and in, in opposing it. How do we do that? Well, certainly there's not much we're gonna do at a national level or in most cases, even at a state level. We can, however, do a lot at the local level. That means your city and your town where you live. Now, maybe you live in a giant city like New York or maybe you live in a small little city of 5,000 people somewhere. You could be involved in your local government and your lo how things are run in your community to set up a firewall around you to keep the wokeness out, to drive out the Agenda 21 programs, the sustainable development, the global warming, the wokeness, et cetera, to drive it out of your town. There are a number of studies now that, that we've kind of done ourselves with Citizens for Free Speech that show what's possible when people get involved, when people get involved. Our national director of training says very openly, if you don't have a seat at the table, you are what's on the dinner plate tonight. That's the truth. <laughs> You have to get involved. And so significant changes can be made in your local community. This is why we just launched our, the new iteration of our training called the Local Activist Accelerator, where we, we're terming it as a boot camp for local activists. You wanna know how to get involved, what to do, how to speak, how to find out information. We have a boot camp training for you now that will take you just a few weeks really to dig into deeply, where you can go from, so to speak, zero to hero in a very short period of time and get involved in your local community. 
Excellent, Pat. And it's such an important organization. I didn't mention that in the introduction, but you are the founder. And I think you just passed off the, the top leadership role to somebody there, but you're still very involved in Citizens for Free Speech. Yes. Great organization. I'm on the advisory board. You guys are doing great things. Uh, and, and actually, since we're on this subject, I know we're almost out of time, but the UN Chief uh, Secretary General Antonio Guterres just today, uh, when we're recording this, posted on Twitter that uh, communication tools like social media are being used to undermine science with disinformation and um, you know erode trust from government institutions. It looks to me like the UN is gearing up for a war on free speech. Um, yes. Real quick before we let you go, Pat, uh, how do we stop that? How do we protect free speech and why is it so important that we do so? Well, localactivist.org will take you right to our accelerator, and you can also go to citizensforfreespeech.org to kind of our master website to get kind of in the in the mix of things. And by all means, get into technocracy.news where you can read daily what's going on. Some of the most important articles in the world, I think, I post every day. I have to do triage every morning to pick out which story. There's so many of them these days. I have to go through and say, no, I'm gonna, this is more important than that one, you know, whatever. We boil down to three so I don't let people drink out of a fire hose. But they have people have to get involved. They have to be aware. They have to get involved and uh, take action. Now, there's, just, there, there's no time left to do anything else, honestly. Absolutely. And Pat, best place to get your book, The Evil Twins of Technocracy and Transhumanism? Yep, technocracy.news. Um, I love to send out autographed copies. And I hate to say it, but on Amazon, there's the Kindle version, electronic version. And there's also an audiobook that I narrated myself. And you can get that either on a Amazon directly or on Audible. And take a listen. I think it's six and a half, seven hours worth of listening. And if you drive, if you're out, you know, working outdoors, whatever, you can listen to the book instead of reading it. I love it. Using the tools of the technocrats to undermine their technocratic dreams. Hey, appreciate you so Amen. much, Pat Wood. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Folks, get a copy of the book, The Evil Twins of Technocracy and Transhumanism. I don't care how educated you think you are. This is going to connect a lot of dots for you. I, I have not read this stuff anywhere else. Pat is a trailblazer when it comes to exposing this stuff. Again, I have not seen this anywhere else. This is original research. It's great stuff. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I am Alex Newman for Conversations That Matter here at the New American Magazine, thenewamerican.com. Thanks for watching. Until next time, God bless you all. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com.